dads. Hello, welcome to Dad Talks, where you get to listen to two dads talk. I'm Dad One, Jared Shemansky. With me, as always, forever, my dad too, Joe Lopez. Joe, what are you drinking tonight? Hi, um, I have uh, New Holland's Ichabod Pumpkin Ale. We drink a lot of a lot of New Holland on this podcast. I think we should ask them for a sponsorship. Like, I like we should. I think on Dad Talks, New Holland has come up in a majority of them. Mm-hmm. How's that pumpkin beer all around. for you? Uh, it's so good. Ichabod has really um, grown on me over the years because it's gotten better. Yeah. Um, the last few years, it's been up in my top pumpkin beers. I'm going to say across the board, New Holland has gotten better at, be- at their beers. Yeah. Just bottom line. Because I, when I was in college, I, mm-hmm. we were both in college together. We were in college time. together. At the same time. When we were yeah. in college, Bells and Founders were probably the only big breweries that people drank. Yeah, I mean, it helped that we were in Kalamazoo, so like, well, Bells what, was everywhere. I mean, what did Metro Detroit have back then? Atwater? No, that's, that's true, yeah, really, Atwater. Vanilla Java Porter was like the thing people right. drank Got from Kalmink, our, our fraternity brothers, <laughs> Kalmink. He, everybody would be drinking like... A regular drinking beer, maybe a cheap PBR mm-hmm. or, or, you know, Labatt Light. We'll be just drinking on a Friday night, and Cal Mink would walk in with a six-pack of Vanilla Java Porter when we're, he like, sitting around trying to get drunk, and he just drank the Vanilla Java Porter. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> we're 19. We're it. not even of legal drinking age yet, and here you are mm-hmm. drinking Vanilla Java Porter on a Friday yeah. night. It's uh, It was really funny. He loved that stuff. He, he did. He brought it everywhere. Any party, any social event yeah. that involved drinking, he would have. And he would always, that man loved the weirdest beer he could find. I swear, he would walk into a liquor store and find whatever looked the weirdest. Like, I remember the first time he came home with, like, a habanero uh, something beer. Yeah. And he's like, this is amazing. And I tasted it, and I was like, dude, this tastes like fire and gross. And he's like, <laughs> no, it's amazing. And he drank the whole six-pack. And I was like, you are, you are yeah. a different breed, my dude. He really is. What a what a guy. I miss him. What a him. guy. Joe, I'm um, I'm repeating tonight. I'm I'm What so, do you got? Let me let me preface this. Ben's party is a week from Saturday. And yes. this is the last beer in my fridge. Because Oh, this is it. Because we're going to go to Costco. You're getting and, a keg. Well, no. I you think I got <laughs> keg money? Come on, Joe. <laughs> Also, we have like 20 people at this party. I don't trust any of you to drink enough to finish a keg. Not <laughs> even a little I'm, bit. I'm not even going to be there. Exactly. You're not even going to be there. You mm-hmm. and DeRosier are my main drinkers. You're not even going to be there. Right. Oh, uh, that's sad. But what do you got? So, oh, anyway, sorry. Finish your story about Costco. Oh, yeah. So we're going to Costco, and I'm going to pick up uh, probably a case of Miller Lite, I think. Whatever is the cheapest like light beer there. Yeah. And then maybe a pack of a craft something beer. Maybe yeah, not yeah. like whatever they have that's a, not super expensive, but a little bit nicer than like a light beer. Um, yeah. So this is, I have the last of my shorts, tiramisu beer, coffee beer. All right. Living it up. It's, it's very good still. I mean, it's, it's a repeat. So, yeah. you know, I'm a little bit uh, like, yeah, right. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get the rest of these beers out. Else. Yeah. That, that's why I love the make your own six packs because I, I just like, you know, you never know if you're going to love a beer. And then it gives you that variety. 
but even more than make your own six packs, variety 12 packs. Yes. Where it's three beers of four different kinds, right? Like, And so yeah. you don't just get one beer and you're like, oh, I really like that, right? You get three of that beer. So if you really like mm-hmm. it, you got three of them. If you hate it, you got to give away three. Like, that's right. the price you pay. But well, I guess you only got to give away two because you opened one. You're not going to give away your right. open one. So you only got to give away two. See, it's not that bad. So I, yeah. the, the variety 12 packs are, are my favorites. Mm-hmm. And New Holland, great variety packs great. every Sh- season. Shorts. Short. Yep. Awesome. Lining Kugel even has really good like variety packs. Like if you're just into something that's just like mellow. Lining Kugel is a little too light for me. I know like okay. sometimes you want that. Sometimes you want that light beer, but e- I don't know what it is, but like, cause their first beer on the scene was the summer Shandy. Right. And that was yes. a 3% half lemonade, half beer. Right. And it's great, but it's so sweet and it I is. can really only have one. And then they followed it up with like a raspberry Shandy. Yeah. And it was even sweeter than the lemonade one. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is for me. Yeah. So it's a little too, a little too not, I'll just say it. It's a little too light for me. Like I, yeah. I even when I'm drinking a regular beer, I like it to be a little bit dark, like ambers sure. and, and, uh, things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, I stray away from the lining Google, but yeah. Um, and then one last variety pack uh, for David. Sam Adams makes a pretty killer variety pack too. Their fall variety pack last year was very good. So I feel like I have stayed away from Sam Adams because I thought it wasn't hipster enough for me. <laughs> it's it wasn't local enough for me and i like yeah. i know how that sounds i know how pretentious that is uh i'm not gonna apologize for it i'm i'm better than right. everybody else and i know it um yeah 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 but it it just like when i go to the store to buy a variety pack or a different beer mm-hmm. i'm looking at the local michigan breweries i'm looking at the little yeah. ones like what micro brew can i get and right same adams is just a little too mainstream a little too big a little, a little bit too, too mainstream. mainstream that's their their pumpkin beer last year was my favorite pumpkin beer of 2020 no shit yes it was like six percent it was pretty pumpkiny and had a good enough spice to like ale combo like it wasn't too spicy oh, it wasn't yeah. too beery it was like the perfect it had that enough pumpkin taste where like i was like yes this is fall you have just given me the perfect idea that we're going to do a beer ranking dad talk for pumpkin beers. Yes. This season. I love it. Gonna I was going to take over all of October and you didn't have an option that, you know what? Do it. <laughs> it is your month. I'll take December. Perfect. But we should do a pumpkin beer. And then we'll, tasting. we'll do a, a peppermint ice cream tasting for, for December because that's Hell my, yeah. that is my shit. I'm telling I you. I love it. Oh, man. Uh, beer, beer. All right, Joe beer. I'm going to preface this. I don't know what's coming. So everybody who read the title probably already knows what we're talking about. But this right here, Joe has been radio silent all day on what we're going to talk about. Even when we got in, he's like, I'm I'm waiting until we're we're, we're in. So it's a surprise. It is. And I did this to you last time. You did. And it turned out phenomenally. So. All right. You ready for this? I'm more ready than I've ever been. And I cannot wait to see your face when I tell you. We're going to talk about eels. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Eels? Like the sea creatures? Yes. 
The well, elect the, like electric ones? That's not an eel. That's a fish. Different type of creature. I'm already uh, learning. Yeah. We're going to talk specifically about freshwater eels. Oh, my God. I can't uh, wait. Jared, what do you know about eels? Do you know anything about eels? Tell me okay. your knowledge about eels. What I know about eels is that there was a video game that you could throw a man into the pond with electric eels and it would electrocute him. To yeah. Death. That's wow. what I know okay. about eels. I know Perfect. that they... Okay. I know if I were to look at a, of a, a, a picture of the skeleton, I could identify an eel, right? Like compared to other yeah. things, they have a very distinct skeleton. And now that I'm yeah. thinking about it, I probably would mistake that skeleton for a musky skeleton or something like that because they're very okay. similar. Yeah. But I feel like I would, I would be able to identify, like I know what they look like. Right. They got well, big old jaws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, oh, oh, hold on, hold on. There's a really big one called like a moray, right? Like a, a yes. moray eel is like the biggest one or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's a that's a saltwater eel. Um, so freshwater eels, Joe. What a topic. Freshwater eel. What a topic. Um, here's what drew me to this. Okay. Okay. Do you know how eels are born? Eggs. Nobody knows. I'm sorry. What? Nobody knows how eels are born. In this entire world of a human civilization that has put people on the moon, that has sent yeah. like vehicles to Venus, we don't Nobody know how an eel is born? Knows. Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, thought that eels just came from mud, like that they are just born out of mud. Don't um, people breed these creatures? No. And so Aristotle thought these things were born just from mud. No idea where it came from. As history progressed, um, other kind of, I, I can't give you a specific name. It's it, gone for me for right now. Um, oh, no, this was Aristotle. Nope, no, nope, nope. Aristotle thought that they were from mud. Pliny the Elder said that eels would rub themselves against rocks and that like skin that would flake off would turn into a different eel. No. Uh, I believe the mud thing more than I believe that. Sigmund Freud. What's Freud out here doing here with eels? eels. Well, Freud's got a weird thing about with you know, parents, gonads, yeah. testicles. And he, um, he did research to try to figure out where these gonads in this, in this eel was. And they're not there. Eels, yeah. They don't, anyway. they don't produce like a, a reproductive... Uh, like fluid or anything? Yeah. Well, we don't know. So let me let me let's start at the beginning. Okay. Okay. Take me back to 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 the beginning. All eels, at least in North America and Europe, sure, all come from the same place. They know this for sure. Can you guess where they all come from? They all come from one place in North America and Europe. North North America and Europe. All eels come from one place. My God, one single place. Freshwater only, though, right? Yep. I'm going to guess like the Matterhorn in Switzerland, like some place. You ready for this? Okay. Explicit warning, the fucking Bermuda Triangle. No, no. <laughs> what? The yes. Bermuda Triangle? Is that yes. the secret? 
So eels, and they don't start off as eels. Eels actually go through a metamorphosis, which is part of why people didn't understand where they came from. So, so like frogs, right? Like tadpole, kind of like tadpoles. Yeah. Yeah. So an eel actually starts as a small, just one inch flat creature called a leptocephaly. And this, yeah, this thin, flat, clear goo creature makes its way from the Bermuda Triangle all the way to North America or Europe. Okay. It's okay. Hold on. Hold on. Time out. Time out. So. We're talking about freshwater eels. The Bermuda yeah. Triangle is in a salt water. Like, right. It is in the Atlantic Ocean. It is a salt water area. So yes. these salt water amoebas make it to yes. North America or Europe across the ocean. Yes. And then decide that they're going to go into freshwater? Yep. So they actually start at the Sargasso Sea, which is within that Bermuda Triangle. Sure. Um, they then travel for th- about 300 days riding the currents to Europe or um, North America. So as they get there, they've grown to about 45 millimeters, which is, I think, right around maybe 10 inches. Okay. Um, Significant. And, and at this point in time, they've turned into glass eels. So they've gone from that flat kind of thin area and they turn into glass eels, which is why people start to begin like, oh, it's something different. Um, when you say glass eel, so it looks like an eel, but it's, but it's like perfectly see-through? clear. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So as they get to the brackish waters, normally a saltwater fish would like their cells would kind of like explode well, if it got into fresh water. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna give a little bit of biology here. Uh, yeah. Because I did this for a while. Cells hold water. And they have to right. be designed to hold salt water or fresh water. Mm-hmm. There's no like right. there's very few animals in the in the animal kingdom that can hold uh because the water in the cell that holds the tension can either be salt or fresh. Right? Like right. it can't be both. So right. that's why I was so surprised that you said it comes and becomes a freshwater animal. Yeah. So they become these glass eels, and then once they get to their um kind of that brackish water, their kidneys then shift and retain more salt, but they, so that way they can they keep their salinity levels up. And then they start to migrate upstream. And as they do that, they start to turn into another type of eel called an elver eel or a silver eel. Um, there they start to eat and they take on everything and they're slowly making their way up the rivers. What um, do they eat? Really, whatever they can catch, crustaceans. Okay, um, they're carnivores, the, though. They they eat yeah. meat. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, they're omnivores, so they'll also eat probably algae, um, plants, okay. really anything they can catch. Um, so as they uh, keep growing and eating, they then turn again into yellow eels. So when they're into yellow eels, these things can grow eighty centimeters or right around like thirty-two inches. Uh, impressive yeah so they go from this tiny creature to get across the ocean from the bermuda triangle they're growing as they cross the ocean yes then they hit a river become brackish hold the salinity and then turn into something else so they turn into that again that elver eel 
Then they turn into the yellow eel, which is their biggest stage. And at this point, you know, they, I think that they live, I want to say 14 years or something like that. Good Lord. Yeah. So these things live for a long time. The, and the question I always have is, is why? Like, right. why do all this? What about that freshwater area that the eel goes to? And it's not like one place. Like, eels don't just exist in one place in North America, right? Like, right. it's not like they only swim up the Mississippi and that's it. Yeah. So, so after they become these yellow eels, um, we finally have actually seen these yellow eels start to migrate again. And what? yeah, so as they hit their like maturest level, these things turn back around and say, nah, I got to go back. What? Yeah. And these eels will go through and find, again, a river that leads them back to the ocean. And as soon as they hit that ocean, uh, they lose their stomachs and they don't eat. You mean like they literally... Like their, their stomachs. stomachs just like disappear. Oh my! Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, and then from there they become saltwater creatures again, heading back towards what we think is the Bermuda Triangle. That's where we think they're heading. And finally, recently, I want to say six years ago, somebody decided, you know what, we're going to put trackers on a bunch of eels and see what happens. Yeah. There was twenty-four eels that were caught and tracked. Only one made it to to back to that sea where it started from and that's all that they found they just found that it went back nobody has recorded eels mating nobody has recorded any sort of fertilization of an egg like there is nothing showing oh where God. the mating process of an eel or a hatching process of an eel actually happens oh my god yeah i have so, so many more questions right so we understand that they now they do go back, but we got to imagine, I mean, fertilization happens, right? It's, like, I mean, there is examples of like asexual reproduction, right? Where they can like bud an eel off of themselves. Right. But the thing is, if it's that single celled organism that starts, right? Right. Then it would have, that cell would have to exist on the eel and yeah. we would have seen it already. Yeah. So, so nobody's witnessed this actual mating process, hatching process, anything. So in 1896, people actually figured out that the letos, uh, leptocephaly is the larva eel, basically. Okay. Right? Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. people kind of thought these five different things were five different creatures. They right, because they things. evolved, right? Yeah. Um, so in, uh, what was it? I would like to say that I'm using the word evolve like a Pokemon, not like, not like the actual English word evolve. I'm saying from literally from a Pikachu to a Raichu or a a Squirtle all the way up to a, to a Bulbasaur. Like, uh, it, I screwed that up. It is not, it is not Bulbasaur. It wasn't Squirtle. That is not not it at all. Uh, Blastoise is what I was trying to say. And I would like to apologize to everybody out there. Right. So in uh in 1904, uh, a researcher named Johann Schmidt decided. What a great! I'm, I'm sorry. What a great researcher name. If if great I had, name. like if somebody's like, hey, 
you discovered, you know, a species of bird. What's your name? Right. I'm going to say it's Johann Schmidt. I don't care what mm-hmm. my name is. I don't. My name's Johann. Johann. Do you know who else was named Johann Schmidt? Who? The Red Skull. Oh, of course he was. <laughs> he was big on eels and the Tesseract. And Tesseracts. Yeah. yeah. Big on them. Um, so in 1904, he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to track this thing down. And uh, it took him 18 years. And he was just like literally going across the borders of like continents trying to figure Following out where eels? these things were. And in, in 1921, that's when he found the larva at the Sargasso Sea in the Bermuda Triangle. And that's where he's like, okay, we know that they come from here, but we don't know how they are made here. Um, how have we not like dropped a camera in there, like planet Earth that shit and just drop yeah. a camera in and wait? Yeah. So they just don't know where to look. Like, do eels just let out a burst of sperm and, you know, female eels lay out a burst of eggs and it just like salmon, and... right? That's how salmon do it. Right. So I guess you know, most you would, fish do it that way, right? So. You would think that, but like there's intense cur the intense currents in the Sargasso Sea and ridiculous seaweed that it's like almost impossible for that to happen. Oh my God. So like, they just have no idea. There's literally, they have no idea how eels are made. I have a theory. Tell me. Okay. Maggots and flies. Yeah. Now maggots are, start as eggs that flies lay on things, right? And then maggots become flies. What if, when the eel dies, the, that's when the offspring is made. Maybe. That'd they be die, something. let out a couple of cells, and they become more eels. That'd be something. That's my theory. That's, there's a theory. So that's kind of all I got. I just wanted Joe, to blow your mind with where eels come from. I am so mind blown. It's not even funny. I'm going to but think I, about eels for weeks, Joe. This isn't insane. fair. My entire thought process has changed. Like, first off, everybody thought the Bermuda Triangle would be a much bigger problem than it is, but apparently it's a huge problem <laughs> because that's where the eels come from. That's where the eels come from. It's just like absolutely bonkers. And so, two eel facts for you. Okay. One, eels can live outside of water, sort of. Because they if retain it? An eel can, like, live in mud for, like, weeks. Like, can just, like, slip out of the water, like... like Great sound you effects. Know, Great. Thank you. And, like, just hang out in some mud and just, like, be there and, you know, be totally fine with it. But you know how I said that they go from the river back to the Sargasso Sea? Yeah. And that they, like, don't eat. Yeah. That's 1,491 miles, generally. Oh, my God. Give or take a couple hundred miles based on where, what river they come from. That's months. Yeah. I'm just, like, hanging out, like, yeah, it's fine. We're just going to head back, probably die, and then somehow create new alien eel babies. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my so. God. It's crazy, right? Let me ask, what about saltwater eels? Because those, obviously, we have saltwater eels, electric eels. Yeah. But you called them fish. So, do are there no like are saltwater eels technically fish? They're not actually eels. No. So there is saltwater eels, um, and they tend to be more eel-like. The electric eel is just 
actually kind of a fish, less of an eel. And, I, and I'm not sure exactly the distinction between the two. I'm trying to look it up right now. Um, but sure there's it has like something a, to do with gills. Probably gills. Um, maybe the way that they do mate. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I don't think saltwater eels give out live births. Um, so the electric eel of South America is not a true eel, but is a South American knife fish. Ooh. Sick name. Um, by the way. Sick name. Like I wish I had made my gamer tag South American knife fish. That would be <laughs> sick. Um, and I actually have a Google page that I had pulled up called Saltwater versus Freshwater Eel, and it was just all about how you, how you eat eel. So, <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Um, but I think part of it has to do with like gills, has to do with probably some sort of um, you know internal structure. But yeah, uh, that's that's eels for you. There's it's it's uh, they're an enigma. Just look up eels, and I'm sure you can find there's more, way more than what I told you. I just wanted to give you blow your mind that nobody knows where eels come from. I'm going to be yeah. so deep in Wikipedia that I'm not going to be able to get anything done ever. I'm yeah. sorry. I might gonna ha- I might have to quit my job to Wikipedia about <laughs> eels. I that is unbelievable that we yeah. just don't know. We like, just don't know. We think we have an idea, but it's not like it would make more sense if we didn't know about a about a species of like crustacean or like somebody that slipped into the mud and we couldn't see yeah. it and couldn't figure it out. Eels are very popular, like mm-hmm. significant creatures in our animal kingdom. Like they are yeah. not. It's not difficult to find and and track eels. You know they're right. they're not gone. Yeah. But we we just don't know. We just haven't been able to track them to the point of being able to see, like, okay, I got an idea, Joe. Bear with me. Okay. Bear with me. Let's go. You've seen those videos of, of like, from a dog's perspective when they jump into the water? Yes. Let's put a GoPro on an eel. All right. Let's let put a GoPro travel. on an eel. 1,500 right? miles. Hopefully, it makes it through the ocean, through we'll get, the current. We'll get one of those super, super long, long-life batteries. All right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what, what society's next goal in life is, create a battery long enough that a, that a GoPro can run for a full <laughs> 15 years. Yeah. Let's well, just see the whole right. life cycle. I'll give, I'll give them this. They don't have to last 15 years because we're not going to capture the eel at the beginning. They're too small. They're right. not. Like, we're not. Yeah. What we need Too to tiny. do, we'll say a ten year. We'll get an, we'll get an older eel. We'll track it for a while. Yeah, make yeah, sure yeah. get an older eel when it's about to day. Say, all right, back to the ocean for me. Back to the ocean. Put a GoPro on its head, like like sharks yeah. with laser beams on their heads, but eels with GoPros. <laughs> yeah, somebody called James Cameron. He's got money that he'd probably put into this. James Cameron absolutely needs to make a movie about this. <laughs> like. Yeah. James Cameron movie. I can see it right now. First off, explosions. Start the movie off to explosions. Just right. errant random explosions. Then we follow an eel back to the ocean. It goes back into the seaweed and surprise, there's an alien uh, kingdom down there below the sea. Yep. That's, that's the lost city of Atlantis. That's it. That is the plot of Avatar 2, Electric Boogaloo. I solved it. I solved it. There it is. <laughs> I solved it. You're welcome, world. I solved this. You're welcome. Nobody needs to see that probably piece of trash anymore. God. Ugh. 
what a terrible just franchise. Yeah. Joe, they have sex with each other with their hair, but also talk to animals with their hair. It makes no it's sense. It's weird. It makes no sense. I don't get it. It's almost as weird I... as eels not understanding how regular reproductive works. I mean, we don't know how eels have sex, but we know how the Navi have sex. So See, and that's why James Cameron needs to go on this We'll have the <laughs> He found the Titanic, so I mean, he did. Yeah, yeah. I'm giving him credit. He found the Titanic. Yeah, that's fine. That's probably the best thing he's done. Yeah, I mean, that's, have well, you seen Pacific Rim? He th- James Cameron didn't make Pacific Rim. I Joe, I didn't see that either. I heard it was awful. Come on, I, I, come on. I'm not out here watching every James Cameron movie I can. Well, clearly, I don't think anybody does. Well, God, I hope not. Oh, that was funny. Oh, that this was, was good. funny. Good. Well, what look a at phenomenal, that. phenomenal amount of knowledge that you just laid on me. I am sufficiently mind blown and going to Wikipedia right after this. You're welcome. So, good luck. Enjoy that. Um, but hey, thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And uh, oh, yeah, thanks do. to Planet Ant for having us on their podcast network. And if you haven't yet, go follow us on our show, so, uh, so, but, boop, but, boop, socials, bleep. our social media. We're at Big Dead Energy Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at Big Dead Energy. Give us a follow. Toss us. Tell us. Tell one person. One single person. You know one what? One person. You have a person in your life that thinks they know how eels are made? Let them <laughs> listen to this podcast. That's the, that's the hook right there. They think they know how eels are made. Everyone thinks they know, but they don't. They don't know. They don't. Tell them about this podcast. They don't. And uh, I, uh, you know, I didn't really give you any answers. I just kind of laid it out there, what we know and what we don't know. So You know what, Joe? I'm going to find the answers. I'm going to the Bermuda Good. Triangle. Sorry. Podcast is canceled. I'm going to the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, no. Well, it was nice knowing you. Yeah, I know. I'm finding the lost city of Atlantis where they make eels in a factory <laughs> down there. Uh, all right. Well, hey, don't go spending all that knowledge in one place. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.